You're listening to This Is Ibrox, your Rangers podcast, brought to you by Triple H Mortgages, the one-stop shop for all your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. Contact them on 01453 or via email hello at This is Ibrox. Tonight, leave the city, we'll be fine Blowing up like dynamite, I never meant to make you cry Make your mind up Hello and welcome to your weekly edition of This Is Ibrox. My name is Scott Patterson and you're, you're very welcome. It's the podcast of champions, of course, now. We're, 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 we're there, we've done it. Uh, delighted and as usual, I'm very pleased to welcome my podcast brother, Tommy McIntyre joins us. Hi Tommy, how are you doing? I am very, very well, thank you, and uh, congratulations to ourselves and the wider range of support. It's nice to nice to wake up knowing you're champions. Just relax about it now, can't we? We really can, we can relax about it. That's exactly it. For those actually watching on this, not listening, the sunrise behind me is a sun rising over a, a country whereby Rangers are champions. <laughs> uh, so we're really, really pleased to, to, be, enjoy, to be joined rather, um, on the pod this week. By, by Jim Stewart, former goalkeeping coach for the club. Hi, Jim, how are you? Hi, guys, how are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure. So we should say this week's pod is brought to you by Triple H Mortgages, the one-stop shop for all your mortgage insurance needs. Contact them today or as soon as you can on 01453 or via their email, hello at hhhmortgages.com. Don't laugh, Thomas. Company website is treblehmortgages.com and they're available similarly on Facebook, Treble H Mortgages. If you are to speak to them, by all means mention my name, Scott Patterson, Tommy McIntyre or Willie Boyd, and the guys will look after you there very well indeed. It's getting better, Thomas. We're, we're, just, we're just about there. Do you know, at this, at this stage of the season, it's all about the results. So, oh, uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so listen, Saturday, we, we, we built up to Saturday and, and um, lots of excitement, crescendo, blah, 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 whatever word you want to use. Um, I don't think anything prepared us for what we saw Saturday before a ball was kicked, Tommy? That was amazing. The, the hair's in the back of the neck. The hair's, you know, depending on how else you, you are, the hair's on every part of your body. Where, Thanks, <laughs> Thomas. Standing up. Yeah, there you go. Some of us have to beat the back of the queue, Scott, don't you? Don't, don't you worry about it. Um, it's the stress of getting to 55. is not just the everyone in there. Um, but, you know, seeing those videos being at the stadium... Um, you know, watching the players and Steven Gerrard drive up, you know, police officers throwing themselves in front of the car and stuff like that. Um, obviously, no police officer was hurt and, and everybody uh, respected what, what they needed to to a certain extent. But it was amazing. And it was a build-up of 10 years, but not just a 10 years. And that's what I think is maybe missing. People talk about that, particularly on the outside of, you know, people who aren't supporters around the club. And they say, oh, 10 years, that's a big, long wait for a big club not to win something. That doesn't tell half the story. Yeah. You know, within all that, there's demotion, attacks, five-way agreements, trying to strip titles, um, you know, foreign language adverts that, that didn't have, you know, <laughs> films by rival clubs, sneering at, being laughed at, self-inflicted humiliation, argue, arguing in bushes about European humiliation, the wrong people in the wrong movies and the wrong roles and what is an institutional fabric DNA part of this country club, the Premier one, started in a hedge, ended with hegemony. We are on top. None of them can take it away. That's the story. And I cannot be more passionate about that. I'm going to rein it in. Jim <laughs> looks surprised. You don't have to rein it in. You don't have to rein it in. Not at all. Don't you dare. Listen, it is. That's, that's the real story. When people say 10 years of hurt, they don't get it. They are standing on the outside of the walls of this club and this support, looking in. Some of us, all of us, have had to guard those walls against everybody who's come up against them and said, your club's dead, you didn't defend it, it's embarrassing, you'll never win anything again, your children will support us. All of that and the huge expectation that lots of people in this country, including rival supports, media, so-called impartial commentators and anybody else you can wave a red, white and blue stick at at this point in time would say other clubs' titles were 
a foregone conclusion. The gap was too big. We were quietly terrified. We had 100 million plus to get to where we needed to get to. Lies. Lies. Now we get to turn around to our rivals and say, all your scheming, all your plans, all your hopes and dreams are broken under the feet of our squad. Suck it up. Jim, I can't lie. I mean, this is this is just basically how what he does. This is what this is, this is what he does every week. He does this every single week. I'm very um, happy, man. This is the happiest I've ever been. Obviously. Listen, we're all we're we're all, we're all in the same place, Jim. I, th- I think it's it's quite fair to say we are absolutely we're delirious with it a little bit. The 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 importance of fifty five was was right up there. I've supported Rangers for as long as I can remember, and I I, I was really aware that. This was a year we just we had to win it. We simply had to win it. Your son Colin is of course part of the of the setup at the coaching staff just now. Um, I'm sure you'll have had socially distanced calls, meetings, whatever you want to cry it. Um, how's his mood right now? I imagine he's high as a kite. He's, he's, he's certainly that. I visited him this afternoon. We had a, we had a couple of um, FaceTime calls after the game on on Saturday. And I, there was a guest appearance by none other than Alan McGregor, you know, who came on and gave us some of his repartee, <laughs> along, along with uh, James Tavernier, and then happy smiling face of Jimmy Bell appeared. Brilliant. He called, and that has just done me. I said, uh, I'm out of here. <laughs> and that was him on Saturday. So on the Sunday, obviously, when things had been decided, uh, with a couple of conversations. So I managed to catch up with him this afternoon for... For a wee uh, coffee and social distance and cake, so it was uh, thoroughly enjoyable to, to listen to his experiences of winning a title. So, Jim, without under- understanding how Colin would get back and forwards to the game on Saturday, he couldn't have failed to to miss that atmosphere, that welcome that the, the, the players and the, and the staff got on on Saturday. Did they did they mention that at all and how that felt just arriving to the ground? It was actually funny, Scott, because I, I normally phone him Saturday morning, you know, just to wish him all the best and chat with the game and so on and so forth. So um, he just come off uh, the motorway, driving up into into the roundabout at uh, Edmondson Drive, and he says, "Dad, you'll not believe it. I can't get in." I says, "How? how what's up?" He says, uh, "I says the police stopped me." He says, "No, he says he wanted to see the supporters that are here." He says, this is incredible. I says, "Oh well, love the dream and enjoy your day, and hopefully." successful outcome and you can enjoy the rest of the weekend absolutely Jim what we'll do as the pod goes on we will we will dip back in and out your career we'll do it right now you obviously played for the club between 1980 and 1984 um, let us know a little bit about how the the move in, in 1980 materialised for yourself will you um, what had happened is a couple of years before that when I was playing at Kilmarnock I had been I had there'd been talk about me coming to Rangers and joining Rangers but that never came to fruition and, and I moved to Middlesbrough, uh, who were then in the first division, uh, and it gave me an opportunity to become become a full-time player at that time. I was 23 or thereabouts, and uh, that, that was a, that was an opportunity I couldn't turn down. I, I was in the team for a, for a fair bit, but then I lost my place. And then it was actually, um, everybody says 1980, it was actually 81. I come back up the March of 81, right. and uh, I got a phone call from, uh, from David Proven, um, the ex ex coach at, at the Rangers, and sadly he's he's departed. Uh, and David phoned me and, and asked me if I'd be interested in coming to Rangers. And you know, of course I would be. Um, he said, "Well, it might happen, but it might happen at the end of the season." And and then from there, that that was like the Saturday. So by the Sunday, I had a phone call from John Neal, who was a Middlesbrough manager, asking me if I was willing to go. I said, "Well, you know, I'm not playing at the moment, and I've always wanted to go back to." To, to Glasgow Rangers and play there and get the opportunity. So, so that's how it came about, Scott. So by the the Sunday, I was back up home and 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 Kilmarnock, and with a game on the Wednesday night against Dundee United. And that would have been under the stewardship of John Gregg at that point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gregg, Gregg had, uh, had had got in touch with us after Middlesbrough had agreed a fee and, and, and allowed me permission to come back up the road. So, um, so that was me back up the road on the. On the Sunday, as I say, and the game was on the Wednesday. I think the Wednesday against them United. Unfortunately, it didn't end up in, in dreams as usual. Yeah, made a poor result. So, but but just to get the opportunity to come back and, and be part of what we all know as 
the biggest club in Scotland, you know, and, and, and for me, it's been brought up torn between Rangers and Kilmarnock. My dad and his brothers were Kilmarnock supporters. My mum's side, their brothers and my grandpa, they were all Rangers supporters. So one Saturday we were at Kilmarnock, one Saturday we were at Rangers and Ibrox watching the games. That's why you goalkeepers have got big arms getting stretched around all over the place, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> big shoulders to carry that weight of expectation as well. Big shoulders all over the place, aye. <laughs> um, a, a quick question for me, Jim. In terms of, I'm always interested in this, players coming into clubs and how they deal with the weight of expectation. But I'm really interested when your family and you are a supporter of a club. And you've been at Middlesbrough and you've you know been playing there. But then you come into a club where you've got a familial tie to it. And you're... How does the, the expectation ratchet up and how do you how did you deal with that when you were going home and all your family are not just invested in your career, they're invested in the club that you happen to be in as well? It's almost, it's almost like sometimes it is an added pressure, you know, but in some instances it's good because some members of my family were, were quite calm, you know, until three o'clock on a Saturday when that kind of changed <laughs> the whole demeanor of them, but, but uh, they helped in that respect and, you know, at, uh, at that time, um, as I say, it was it was an opportunity to come back to to, to Rangers, and obviously the opportunity to play. Um, at that time, um, they just missed out winning the treble, run about 70, was it 80, where where uh, where we lost we lost uh, Celtic Park. Was that 78 or 80? I'm I think it was 78. I think it was 78. Yeah, so, so, so that, that was the basis of the team, really. There, That was Greggy's first year in charge, and he'd obviously won the, the League Cup and, and then the Scottish Cup at the end of the season, but the league was the main thing. You know, so, so as I say, to get that opportunity to come back in uh, at that time, the dressing room was full of good players, international players, and, and, and fantastic uh, quality. So Jim, we're going to we're going to, as I say, for the for the duration of the pod, we're going to delve back in and out your career, and we'll involve you in, in a couple of big things. I've got the McGregor question, which I know we've spoke about off here, and Tommy's delighted that someone else can take that question tonight, in particular. Uh, I've comforted say... through my arms. We should say as well, just by chance, we found out that um, in the four years that that Jim was at Rangers uh, as goalkeeper, he made fifty-five appearances, which is quite a Interesting stat. Yes, that's an interesting number. Tommy, we'll go back to the game on Saturday. As I say, we, we, we've kind of done the whole crescendo and the build-up to it, how, how we all felt as, as supporters sitting at home watching it, using our virtual season tickets. Um, the front three at the weekend of, of Kent, Morelos and Hadji were particularly good, I felt. Uh, yeah, as they have been at different points throughout the season, but particularly recently as well. Yeah. Um, just while I'm cycling through the answer of that, I just want to draw the, the attention to the fact that Jim spoke about an absolute collector's item there earlier on, which was Jimmy Bell smiling and his smiling <laughs> face on the phone. I, I, don't think we need, I don't think we can walk past that. I'm talking about rare events. I mean, that's all the stars aligning in the one time, if you're honest with you. But uh, that's almost as rare as a Celtic guard of honour. But... Maybe we'll touch on that at a different part of the, uh, the podcast. But, we will, we um, will. Yeah, uh, but you're absolutely right. They are, we've spoken about it all season. Uh, the changes to Alfredo Morelos' game, the way that um, Kent can light up a match as well. You've got Hadji who brings um, a real intelligence to, to his movement and the, the space that he finds and the ability to utilise his talent because he doesn't particularly have the pace. Um, but he does it so well. The three of them, when they're on form, are absolutely devastating. I mean, yeah. defenders you know, are on record in Scotland and abroad talking about the fact that they get suffocated, they are the div- most difficult people to play against, particularly Morelos. They get dragged out, back fours, back fives, all get dragged into places they don't want to defend, yeah. they don't know whether to go or stay. The one-touch passing round about the box, the changing of movement, and then you get your midfield runners going on beyond them as well. They must absolutely be a terror to, to say no it's fine we're going to we're going to defend this point that we're looking to get from the first whistle to the night yeah, best of luck with that lads and we'll see you on we'll see you on the other side such as it was against St Mirren valiant effort um but they didn't have a hope in hell and yeah we just hope that the guys can maintain the focus as we now cycle beyond being champions 
Um, and into yeah, I, I don't get tired of saying that. Not 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 yeah. me, not um, I, mate, not I. I, I was going to get a wee cue card when my voice runs out as well as you pulled <laughs> it up. Uh, but you know, keep that focus for Europe, and it's you know, without waxing too lyrical, I will stop it there. It's really important to say that level of performance and domination of defenders hasn't just been domestically, which some people look down on and sneer at in Scotland, yeah. you know, incorrectly. It's been done in Europe as well against multi-million pound defences and defenders. Yeah, We are a very, very good team with some very, very good, exciting young players. Another thing that shouldn't be walked past, assets all over the pitch and in the squad. Uh, yeah, they're doing it at all levels all the time and I can't wait to see this team approach the Champions League. Jim, oh, the Champions League. Oh, gee, I can, I, it's not, it's, the Champions League is so far ahead, I don't even think I've thought about it. However, now, I mean, goodness me, Thomas. Time, it's about time uh, a club that was there at the inception and that is one of the stars, the seven stars on the ball, the logo, yeah. made its return to the Premier competition in Europe. It's about time we got a seat back at a table that we helped build. Jim, Tommy rightly, and I'm really keen to get your, your opinion on this, Tommy refers to how the front three, probably particularly Morelos, drags these defenders all over the shop. As a goalkeeper and as, a, as Jack Annex case at the weekend, he's obviously seen his defenders getting dragged around all over the place. How is he going to try and marshal that? How does he, how does he try and um, negate the effect that, that Kent, Morelos and Hadji and their, their movement is having on, on the, the guys in front of him? I think what Tommy spoke about there, Scott, where you know the interaction of the three, three main strikers is so paramount when they get to the edge of the box and does that interchange of passes and obviously um, when Stevie Davis is involved and if it's Kamara and Aribo, you know yeah. all of a sudden you've got a front six who are who are very very comfortable on the ball and then when you look at Morelis, his game's changing as he's now coming out the box. So yeah. centre backs are looking to see whether. You know, do I go with him? Do I stay? But when he goes, you've either got Kent or Hadji, you know, moving in, in behind. And then by that type of movement, you've then got two fullbacks, Tavernier and, and Bora on the other side coming forward. Yeah. So all of a sudden you've got you've got these guys uh, banking in on, on the opposition 18, 18 yard box. Yeah. For a goalkeeper it's 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 one of these ones you can communicate as much as you can, but when it's as close in as that, your concentration is on the ball. And, and I think the way Rangers move the ball so quickly in, in the box, you know, the, the runs that the, the strikers make and the one-touch finishes, you know, are, are certainly so important to the team framework. And then the individual bit comes into it. When you look at Hadji, um, I think in back to his, his goal against, I think it was Hibs, you know, when we really needed a goal and he appears and he's, he's a wee bit of magic in that and he goes in and finishes. You know, but Morelis' all-round game is... Has improved, you know yeah. that that uh, centre backs and opposition uh, managers and coaches are obviously wondering how can we combat that, and it's very difficult at times. Sorry, Scott, if you so can we carry me. on. Thank you. It's like a question, Jim. Oh. If you're a defender, so just building on Scott's question, there, you're watching your defence getting pulled out. You're seeing that it's a really difficult game. Do the do the goalkeepers start to change how they are? positioning themselves or start to be more proactive or start to try and dominate their box more to try and alleviate some of that pressure? Or is it just a case of trying to talk to the back four or five or whatever, or in some cases the teams that rock up this uh, Ibrox, the back 10, uh, <laughs> to, to position them? I'm just really interested in the mentality of the goalkeeper of trying to trying to work that position. You're thinking back to that Motherwell game, Tommy, aren't you? When it was that, <laughs> it was, it was tied out, so, you know... That's exactly what I was thinking of, Jim, actually. Yeah, you're right, my mind, Jeremy. Levine got stuck for that one in the, in the Czech Republic. But, That's right, yeah. You know, Stephen Robertson tried it. So, obviously, you know, in, in that instance where you've, you've got a blanket defence and you've got strikers coming back and filling in the wide areas, um, as a goalkeeper, you have so many bodies there in front of you. And, and the more that, that interaction happens with, with, with the, the, the strikers and, obviously, the midfield players, you know, the intelligence of, of, of Davis and Aribo, um, Kamara at times, opens up that wee space it gives gives the front three that, that opening to get a finish. And probably the number of one-touch, two-touch finishes we've seen this year, you know, it's a great skill. 
you know, when you see players, they set up themselves for that one touch and bang. And, and as you say on Saturday, where, where Morelis uh, goes in, he looks as if he's coming away for the goal, but he's hit the ball that early that Jack Hannick's not been able to get in the position. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to affect the save. You know, so he has that, he has that all-round ability to know where the goal is. You know, and he's, he's sometimes, I think, Coyce is fantastic that he talks about scoring ugly goals. You know, Morelis can do that, you know, and he has the ability to score wonder goals at the same time. For a goalkeeper, very, very difficult um, when, when you've almost 20, 21 players in and around that box and the action that's happening. So, um, as I say, there is a point where you need to concentrate on the ball. Tommy, three really good goals at the weekend. Kent's um, curled one in to put us one nothing up reasonably early doors and then as, as Jim's alluded to the Morelos goal um, there was a really clever goal from, from his perspective a good team goal as well the goal I want to focus on was was the third one and I think it would have been quite easy to come out sorry for the second half or 2 nothing up we know what we've done we know what we're on the verge of doing at that point we could just try and just keep the ball play it neat play it tidy and just sort of bed ourselves into the second half 90 seconds in and we're 3 nothing up um, wonderful team goal and again Yanis Hadji continues to since the start of the year he continues to show up for Rangers and he deserves huge credit for that Absolutely you know and uh, he's been the subject of a lot of conversations I think the boy is still unfairly tagged with the surname yeah. I think he might ever get out from underneath that to a large extent and it's because I think some people in some people's minds and I've fallen for it myself when he first we first came here, that you're expecting something world-beaten every yeah. single game because his name's Hadji. You know, he's got to ping one in from 30 yards or he's got to do something. You know, he's got to backheel it in for the corner flag or whatever, you know. And that's absolutely unfair on the player. What he does is he really successfully links links a lot of that play in there and his intelligence is second to none from anybody else in the squad in terms of he's very well aware of his... His self-awareness is really good. He knows he doesn't have bust, lung-busting pace, but his ability to drop into the pockets, not be noticed by defenders, pick the ball up and move it relatively quickly, yeah. can't be overstated. As is, as well as, and I think probably from Christmas onwards, his robustness, yeah. you know, not going down, getting used to the physical elements of the game, being able to hold people, people off. Actually, with that second goal against Morelos, he does that. He holds off a pretty you know, weighty challenge and holds the guy off and then he slides it through. Can't be overstated that we've seen a lot of players who don't have that robustness, and and that, a lot of that credit needs to go down to him, uh, you know, and the management team for saying, listen, just like your talent shine, but you just need to win the physical battle sometimes. Beyond that, the fact that he's chipping in with goals, chipping in with assists is a really key point, and he's managed to make himself a starter again. You know, he followed out with some of that with Steven Gerrard, but. You know, that is fantastic. He's also a young player, as I alluded to earlier. So another good statement value piece that we paid a relatively large amount of money for him. And he's going to get his, an income back when he eventually leaves, right? And ultimately, every club is a selling club. So there's no, no mistake there, no controversy. No. What I would say in terms of the team ethic you're talking about is 99.9% of the time this season, Rangers have been relatively ruthless at the right times. And that's how they've got themselves into the position they are. Yeah, every team's going to have a bad day, right? St Mirren in the cup, for, for example, right? Or the gaffer maybe makes the odd mistake in terms of selection or people have off games. That's human nature, right? It happens. As long as you're getting the brasso out come the end of the season. Who cares? Nobody, I, nobody gives a monkey. Absolutely right? right. I certainly don't, right? So, in fact, I think I was on record at the time saying I would get put out of every cup going six times over as long as I got the league championship at the end of the season. <laughs> and, you know, who would have known it would have happened in March? You know, the, <laughs> there we go. me. But, yeah, it's the fact that the team know and there was no slacking off. That's a real warning shot for anybody else for the rest of the season and in Europe. This team had a goal. They went two up really short order against a stuffy team and then went, right, just go and nail it. Just nail, final nail in the coffin and then we can keep pressing and probing. We can change people over. We can give people a rest with one eye on Thursday. That means the message is continually landing. And although that's really important for the squad, You've got to look to the guys on the sidelines and the management team for setting that standard and ingraining it. You do not slack enough. You keep going. And when you keep going and you treat it one day at a time, one game at a time, turns out you will end up with a winner's medal. Jim, quite a few times on the pod um, this season, we, we've spoke about 
Um, Alan McGregor making really big saves at, at crucial times um, for Rangers. We were 3 nothing up when he made... A, it was a world-class save in the second half. It's, it's fingertips, it's reflex, it's all the word to use with a top-class goalkeeper. But it was something that we have became quite accustomed to as far as Alan McGregor's been concerned. And what a save it was, wasn't it? Uh, certainly fantastic. It was funny because I was listening to the commentary and Kevin Kevin Thompson was doing the co-commentary, you know, and he always kind of uh, bypassed it. Well, that's a save you expect Alan to make. <laughs> you know, going, like, okay, fine. So uh, when the striker scores a goal and the goalie says, well, that's a goal that we expect him to score. You know, but as as the pieces of, you know, you see how he's so passionate. I mean, the, the game at Hamilton, where where it was a poor performance, and he has so many saves to make, and his his desire and determination to make sure that the goal keeps intact, you know, shows how much even at the age he's at at the moment, that desire to win the championship, that desire to to impress the standards that Tommy's talking about, coming for the manager, I think, goes goes towards guys like Alan McGregor, Stevie Davis, who have been over the course before, you know, so they, they they're the captains. Uh, on the pitch, you know, to make sure the standards are being maintained. But when you look at Alan, um, certainly for me, when he's come back to Rangers, he um, probably a strange statement I'm going to make, but when he was away at Hull and he was at Cardiff and, and Besiktas and stuff like that, for me, I thought it was a legend that was he quite there, you know, because when you looked at him, he was becoming an accomplished goalkeeper. Yeah. You know, um, the, the years of Walter came back and the championship was 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 won in that. And then, obviously, he was still playing with Coist. He was there and still performed well. All of a sudden, everything changed. So, for me, that, that edge you get from, from being an old firm player, you know, with the pressure that, that's there week in, week out. Um, I'm not saying his performances were, were any of the less, but it was just that desire to go and win things that you see week in, week out from him. You know, every time a goal goes in, he's the first person moaning. You know, but he, he wants he wants it to be to be absolutely perfect so that we come away from that. And we'll, we'll, when you look at this year, we've lost, I think, against nine goals, uh, two goals. Remarkable, yeah. That, that, that is incredible. You know, the stats uh, back up everything that Rangers have done, done this year. You know, and, and to have that, then you obviously need Need a goalkeeper uh, on the top of his game, um, and I think one of the things that's the start of the season where he was a wee bit un, unsure because he had one or two injuries, not quite getting to the level he was looking at, and looking at it from the outside, it gave John McLaughlin an opportunity to come in and perform at a level and show that he had a calmness, he had a consistency, and a confidence to be to be a Rangers goalkeeper, you know, and and, and I think that helps, you know, with Alan knowing that. Here's a guy coming up, he, he's wanting to play, he wants my place. So I need to be on my game uh, week in, week out. You know, his ability to make saves, he, 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 he produces, you know, at, at the, the big games at the right time. You know, only he can answer that, you know, because he's, he's, um, his ability at this moment is, there's a, he's a more calm person. You know, if, if, when you look back to him in the earlier years, you know, <laughs> he's, certainly, he's certainly a lot calmer that way. But, but what an asset he is to Rangers Football Club. So we've been speaking previously in the pod, and, and Tommy, I'm going to ask Jim the question. You'll be really pleased to know this. You don't need to answer that this week. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Jim, this is, this is a difficult question. It is a difficult question. We can't work out the right answer for it. Um, is Walter Smith's... Alan McGregor, better than Steven Gerrard's Alan McGregor. Or is it, or is it uh, Jim Stewart's Alan McGregor? Or is Jim Stewart's Alan McGregor? Nicely, nicely done there, Jim. Nicely done. We've been sitting on that stick of dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> so you can, you can imagine what discussions we have in the house. You know? I can guess. <laughs> um, no, I, think, I think he's a different character. I think, um, you know, when he left the club, when, when the trouble started, he didn't want to leave. That, that was the last thing in his mind was leaving, leaving Rangers. Um, I think he was backed into a corner. It's well documented what happened to those guys. But there was unfinished business with him. You know, so when he had the opportunity to come back, he's phoned me and he's asked me and he spoke to me. And he says, what are you thinking? I says, look, 
to get a second chance at somewhere where you absolutely love playing. Um, you know, you know the, the pressures that goes with it, that you can cope with it. And, and he's come back a second time and um, his performances over the piece have been absolutely magnificent. Is that okay for you, Tommy? Hey, Jim's, Jim's done a, a marvellous job there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, was he thinking of the Alan McGregor colour chart that you get with the It's all red, right? And it starts off with clean sheet and it goes all the way up to conceded two. <laughs> not happy. I'm also convinced that he scored, he scored that OG against Hamilton to teach the rest of the team a lesson. <laughs> oh, I, I think it's one of the things I think we'll, we'll, we'll look back on this season, other than all the obvious glorious things that have happened. I think we'll look back on that interview that he, he done after the game at Hamilton as a real, um, it was a, there was a marked change in the attitude of the team after that game. Because I felt at that point there was elements of the players coasting a wee bit. And I think when McGregor came out and, and stopped short on, on the TV, just saying how rotten they were, um, and only the way that I'm sure he could probably do, um, I think it kind of, it, it gave a bit of maintenance on, on the team's focus for the games that followed thereafter, Tommy. Absolutely, I think Jim's Jim's alluded to that as well. You know that the power of having these established um, senior members of the squad who have been there and done it, and who need to facilitate that message from you know your Tom Culshaws, your Mike Beals, your Stephen Gerrards, or take it onto the pitch because there is only so much the management team can do, right? And they get quite rightly loaded, but there is only so much. Once the guys cross the line, there has to be a in the dressing room teammates element to that um, consistency and that's a standard setting and that's what Jim's saying you know you're looking to guys like your Tavernier your McGregor your Davis and probably more so on the Davis and McGregor side because they've been there and won it you know obviously this is Tav's first but he carries a lot of the heart of, of the journey so to speak as well but if you don't have that then ultimately and Jim you know Jim will no doubt have a view on this as well I think if you don't get both elements right you're never going to be quite the side that you're wanting to be because you'll always you always be hitting and missing. To a certain extent, I think that was... Maybe that's the story of the third iteration of Steven Gerrard's sides and that he got that blend right at the end. You know, I remember Davis coming in and it, you know his fitness wasn't maybe there because he hadn't been playing. Um, and then you get a McGregor in who's dealing with maybe slightly below-par players in front of him as well. But then you get those guys on board, you get the right bodies in round about them, people who are wanting to learn and who've got the hunger. You rock up with a guy like Jermaine Defoe as well, who, okay, I know hasn't won league. Well, I need to amend that. He's won a league now. Um, but hadn't won a league previously. Tommy's <laughs> big book of getting 55 comments <laughs> into this by he's going well. I'm taking him off the list and I go for the middle. You know, you get all that in there and you build that hothouse within the, the dressing room to stay. If the gaffer's no noticed it, I've noticed it, you pull your socks up. And then I think it's a, a, not a cliche, but you know the gaffer's looking for, the manager's always looking for, I walk into a dressing room after a bad result or a bad performance. I don't actually have to see anything because they're all tearing lumps at each other and senior players are taking each other to account in the right way, the supportive way. I suppose my question, if, I, if you don't mind me, Scott, my question to Jim would be, you've worked with Alan and you're talking about the fact he goes away and he becomes a more rounded uh, goalkeeper, but maybe loses some of that edge. I take it he's also very good, though, in terms of bringing people with him and supporting the younger players and putting an arm around the shoulder. He's not just, you know, angry McGregor. He's obviously, he must be very good at saying, no, this is what we need to do and I'm going to help you develop as well. No, there is. And, and one of the things I'm glad that uh, has managed to happen in, in, in the time at Colin is, is to become the first team goalkeeping coach. As when, when I was there, um, the younger ones uh, came and trained with, with Alan, Neil Alexander um, at that time. And, and the group we had was Robbie, Robbie McCrory, who was young at the time. You know, so he came round and, and we, we sat and spoke to them about learning from the senior goalkeepers, speaking to them, observing them in games. Um, we then found that, like Sir Kieran Wright, Liam Kelly, these guys all got the opportunity to come and train with the first team, which was was great for them at the time. Um, and then, then they get they trickled in towards training with the first team, maybe some shooting drills, or and maybe they were needed in terms of small-sided games. So that gave them that, that side of it. But 
the one thing you would always find with Alan is that he had a word, you know, quietly for the guys. You know, it might have been technical, it might have been uh, tactical in terms of how he's seen something in the game. Uh, and when you do talk to him, he's obviously, there's, there's an element of thinking, you know, what are we going to do once I finish playing? You know, because that could be on the horizon for him. Uh, hopefully, you know, for the next couple of years. But, um, but obviously, he's thinking about that and how, how he can then go through his coaching badges. You know, whether he becomes a coach or a goalkeeping coach is entirely, entirely up to him. But he has good attributes about, about listening and, and having strong points of view in the game because he does study the game. He understands the game well. And, and, and that certainly comes across when you see, when you see him talking and organising in the game, you know, for that side of it. So I, the scripts went out the window. We've got to have to say, um, which does, which is kind of standard. Um, but Tommy, you'll remember when when we started doing our our, our pod, we we done our um, favourite Rangers eleven, and it had to be Jim the the players that you had seen. Yes. And um, I remember at the time, I suggested that the, and I've seen Andy Gorham, and I've seen Chris Woods, and I selected Alan McGregor as my number one goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, and was kind of laughed out of the pod a wee bit by none other than yourself, Mr. McIntyre. I see you smirking away there. Right, rightly laughed out of the pod. And it, she knows clearly. But he's, he's, I love Al McGregor, but he's not. And I saw Woods as well, and Nicky Clark, and Nicky Walker. Sorry, Nicky Walker. <laughs> Nicky Clark does your hair. Timothy fixated there. I told you. <laughs> Let me take some of this recovery water again, by the way. Uh, and Lionel Shabonyi and Stefan Kloss, Bergoli and all that kind of stuff. But Andy Gorham. But what I would ask is, Jim, right? So Gorham is, is, um, is widely deemed as the greatest ever for all the right reasons. No one's doubting that he is a fantastic goalkeeper. I just wonder at what Alan McGregor has to do for that race, if you like, to be maybe a wee bit closer than what I think people give it credence for? I'm, I might upset Tommy with this one. Yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Hang on! <laughs> I know he's going too well. Too well. I, def- I definitely think, you know, like, when we all know Andy Gorham is absolute legend at the club. Yeah. Phenomenal goalkeeper over a long period of time. Standards were high and you know, he'll never be forgotten for the saves that he made in numerous old fun games uh, for that side of it. Um, fantastic goalkeeper. And the other ones you speak about, Stephen Claus, Chris Woods. Yeah. You know, these, these are all high-quality goalkeepers. And I think, you know, when we go way back, you know, like even before my time, we, the opportunity to meet uh, Bobby Brown, who came yeah, in of course. The club, uh, on, on match days, you know, and you think back to his, his time at the club when he was... He was a member of the um, Cutting Defence and, you know, they were absolutely fantastic. So you, you're thinking way back then, George Niven and, and uh, Billy Ritchie were, were fantastic goalkeepers for Rangers uh, in the 60s. You know, and I think as errors go through, you know, younger ones will always appreciate the goalkeeper who's there, there at the moment. You know, but I, I just think that when these guys come along that you should enjoy watching that talent. You know, and, and when, when you look at them and you try and compare, sometimes it is difficult, you know, and, and you think, well, maybe we could compare it with the number of leagues of one or the number of cups. But, but when you look at these guys and they go, well, they've won four cups and they've won. So, so that, that, that edge or that, that uh, divide between them is very, very thin, you know. And, and I think it's a compliment for Alan McGregor that you look at him in this second phase that he's there, that he's actually... For, for me, getting close to where Andy was, yeah. you know, in terms of uh, his influence, not, not just not just on the park, but that influence overall at the club, you know, where people look at him, he's a leader, he's a winner. Um, and and that, that's a, a trait that you would uh, look at Andy Gorham and say, first-class winner, first-class leader, you know, and as a football player, he was, he was fantastic, you know, so... So as a goalkeeping coach or a former goalie looking at these guys in admiration that, you know, what a talent it is to perform to a level week in, week out for a club where you, you need to win. Uh, mistakes come along and, and how, you, how you deal with those mistakes or those errors is the difference between being an ordinary goalkeeper to a top class one. You know, Alan has that ability. Um, 
And, and that's close to me, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I, 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 <laughs> I'm not going to... You're right, Jim. You're, don't don't apologise to him, Jim. Tommy, come on. Listen, I, I'll fully admit to having a massive ego, right? But I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue about goalkeepers with Jim Stewart, right? I might be on the loose inside of this one. Brilliant, brilliant. Without being too glib, I, I, I totally agree. I'm not saying that there's a massive difference with that. I obviously grew up with Gorham and there's an affection there. I did say the other week though, and it's a point that I think you're, you're alluding to there as well, Jim, that, and it's why I, I thought when I was asked the question that um, this iteration of Alan McGregor is better than the previous version, right? Not in terms of talent or anything like that, or, or coaching, God forbid, right? Not in terms of coaching, right? But <laughs> <laughs> I've just spotted the size of you, Jim. I am absolutely not going to offend But in terms of the fact that there's I've always thought there's a difference between goalkeepers and you can put them into two buckets. One is a goalkeeper who makes saves and then a goalkeeper who gives confidence to the entire team. Yeah. And the, the, the example I was using was David De Gea, who used to be a goalkeeper who gave tons of confidence and is now just a goalkeeper who makes saves. Yeah. And for McGregor to get up to the Gorham level is what I think he's doing now, is that he's not just a keeper that makes athletic saves, he's a keeper that gives confidence all the way through the team. I would, agree, I would agree with you on that. You know, when you, when you look at his influence with the guys in front of him, I think, you know, he's certainly been a big, a big influence, a big part of that, that fantastic defensive unit that uh, hopefully continues to the end of the season. Agreed. Fascinating chat. It's great. This is great stuff. Um, There's so much backpedaling I can do before I hit this wall. <laughs> yeah. Tommy, you're bust. You're going right into that sunset, my friend. Um, Jim, I want to speak to you. I, I want to sort of park the game and park the fact that we've, we've just won the league and I want to go back to when we last won the league um, you were involved in, in the setup with um, Walter Smith who the, the fans are, have so much affection for and guys like Ali McCoy of course Kenny McDill was in there too let us know a little bit about what it was like back then and in particular that day at, at Rugby Park I think the, going back to that, that unit you know that was together and um, when Walter came back for the second time, I'd been working with him with the national squad, um, and obviously he, he, he was he was leaving here to go back to, to Rangers, and it was one of the ones you're going. I wonder if one of the gaffer will maybe give me a chance to come back as a coach, you know. But he spoke to me and he says that uh, obviously Billy Thompson was in situ, so he would give Billy an opportunity. So that that didn't happen. But in the summer, uh, lucky enough, the phone call came. Uh, would you like to join us? So. Again, the same thing, they're delighted to go. Um, and, and the unit, I played with Coyce, I knew Coyce. I played with Kenny, Kenny McDowell for my sons at St. Mern. And, <laughs> uh, and, and Durante had been there. Durante was, was, was a kid when, when I was a player. So, so as a group, we were together, you know, and the gaffer was obviously there as the main, the main leader. Yeah. And, and something you spoke about earlier, guys, was, was you know, that, that message coming from the park, I saw it coming from the dressing room and the, the, the coaches onto the park was, was so important, you know, because it was a good mix between the gaffer who honestly is just absolute he's a man, you know. When he said something you just says, right, okay, that's happening. You know, <laughs> and then you had the, the mix of uh Coisty and Kenny who were who were good with the players, they were in amongst the players and you know, they got to know them and, and obviously the, that camaraderie was good as well. And Durante just being Durante, his knowledge of the game is fantastic, but also has his awareness of things in the in the game it could could help the players as well. So there was a good a good mix here with with that group, along with there's a lad called Adam Owen who came into the group as a sports scientist. Yeah. You know, so so we had that good group and you were talking earlier about the manager and you look at the managers speaking now, uh, Steve is talking about his team behind him, you know, and you look at that that consistent message from all those guys certainly carries a message onto the pitch. And when you look at um, Golson and Davis and McGregor and, and these guys, they certainly uphold the standards that the manager's looking for and the quality and, and, and that and so on and so forth where at that time, we had, we had obviously Alan's here, McGregor was there, Baguera, these guys were, were, were there. So, um, David Weir was a massive influence um, to the players in the dressing room. Uh, David, David run the dressing room. There, there was a group of uh, senior players in the dressing room. 
they policed the dressing room, they kept it, they kept it tidy, they kept it straight. Um, if there was discussions needed at half time, then that certainly occurred, <laughs> and it was one or two fallouts, you know. But but taking the right the right format, so so we were fortunate enough when 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 the Walter came back and we we uh, we started going on a winning streak again, and it's well documented about the first season, the number of games we played, and the success we had. But missed out in the league, you know, through no fault of our own. But at least we were there competing for it, and then obviously the next few seasons um, we were putting a a good competitive streak together to, to, to win league titles, which, as we all know, the biggest thing at Rangers Football Club is is that league title, you know, and and that that was a fantastic experience as a coach to be involved with that. And obviously, when when the gaffer decided that um, it was his last year, you know, coming up, so it was one of the ones. Well, collectively as a group, we we want to win the title, and and I think um, when you look at the comparison of this team, when the, the event is in the horizon, they actually that horizon becomes easy because they're so they're so honed in, they're so disciplined in in the performances, and sometimes you don't get it quite right, but you win the games, you know. And leading up to that last game at Kilmarnock, we the guys just seemed to be in the zone. You know, Lafferty was doing his usual, where he appears from the middle of March to the end of the game. <laughs> you know. I think Kilmarnock will be hoping he's doing that this year, let me tell you. <laughs> I know, so, so you get guys like him coming in and obviously, you know, uh, Stevie Whitaker and, 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 and Stephen A. Smith and, and these guys, absolutely fantastic uh, talents within in that group. You know, so, so when it came to that day and we, we went to Kilmarnock, nobody could envisage what was going to happen. And to score three goals in, what, seven minutes? Yeah. You know, and, and the, the chat was quite right, you know, we've scored three goals before they're out the huddle, so uh, <laughs> that, was, that was quite enjoyable, you know, for that side of it. But I, I think it gave the gaffer, um, it gave him that sense of job accomplished, you know, he'd come back to the club to help the club back on your firm route and to instill the qualities and the uh, the standards of being a Rangers player and, 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 the, and the club... Uh, Certainly, certainly, it was the right move for the club at that time. Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't argue with that. So, so Jim, did did Walter Smith share the news with his backroom staff, i.e., you guys, prior to prior to the players? I would assume, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were informed of what was happening for, the, for that side of it. So, it was it was one of these ones because he kept saying he was only he's only here for a year. You know, but I think <laughs> just the fact that he was enjoying himself that much and. You know, it was absolutely, it was a great backroom staff, absolutely fantastic. Um, there were so many things happening, as you could imagine, with McCoy and Durant being about the place. Yeah. Uh, there was there was times where where there is that wee bit coming away back to the game, and you know, let the, the guys enjoy themselves. And and obviously, when the serious part came in about winning games and, and looking towards the titles, that that bit was put into full operation. Uh, but but you need you need good recruitment. Uh, to get that, you need a good a good mentality and the players that you bring in being able to play at Rangers uh, week in, week out. And I think, you know, when you look at the present day team, that certainly has came to fruition this year. They, they kind of tickled their fancy a wee bit the previous two years, you know, looking, by the way, there's something happening here. Yeah. And I think we all thought last year that when they got to um, New Year time in the break, that, by the way, this is positive. We, we are going to they're going to have a run, but unfortunately that didn't happen. But I think the biggest thing is has been this year has been the reaction of people. I think they've learned as a group of players, as a group of staff, they've certainly analysed what the, the seasons have been, and and you can only commend them for for how for, for day one at Aberdeen it was like jobs on, let's get it done. Yeah, Tommy Jim alludes back to to that. That day at Rugby Park, which was just absolutely incredible. I, I think we all remember um, Vladimir White uh, celebrating it as well with the, with the fans and the what the guy with the water mask on that appeared for the stand. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that I, I remember um, quite vividly, um, other than the black kit, which I was a huge fan of, um, was, was how impressive Jelovic had been. Yeah. That, that season and of course this this last sort of week or, or so he's he's announced his retirement and incredibly he was I, I'm, I'm sure correct me if I'm wrong you may know this better than me I think he was 34 which meant we had him when he was about 12 by the field the way it feels 
he certainly, when, when, when he came to the club, he, he was a phenomenal talent. You know, he, he, physically he was, he was well capable of taking, taking hits, but he also very skillful, you know, and, and, and a great finisher, you know, from that side of it. And again, remembering his, his goal in the League Cup final, you know, yeah. for that side, helping us to win, to win that. But uh, no, fantastic, fantastic talent. It was, it was a great time. You know, there was, we, we obviously had a couple of, a couple of uh, guys who were happy go lucky. He'll have juice was, uh, <laughs> but he was so infectious. You know, within the dressing room, and um, obviously the story's do- well documented when he came on loan for Blackburn and. He goes back to the Blackburn with his Ranger strip on and his medal and meets <laughs> the manager who's not too delighted that he's shown him an old championship medal. <laughs> but, nah, great, great mix. Jelovic was fantastic. Tommy Jelovic was... Sorry, you go. So I was, I was actually just going to jump on that a little bit um, and I'm happy to answer the question as well. But I'm really interested because there was some... From, from the outside, there sometimes looked like uh, Rangers didn't have all the greatest... Uh, and some of this is documented or speculated about, didn't have the greatest uh, scouting networks everywhere. I'm really interested where, where Jelovic, you know, where he was picked up. I obviously know where he was picked up from, but in terms of the, the story of that, how did he come on the radar? I wasn't privy to that, but, but I do know that, I mean, at that time, uh, it was a chap called Ewan Chester, mm-hmm. who, who, was, yeah. who was the main scout at Rangers, and he had, he had great contacts. Um, and and one of the stories I got was Yelovich's uncle was the agent and he made contact with the club and there was discussion started and obviously, you know, you look at the footage and you identify that there's a talent there. You know, obviously coming from Croatia, you go, God, they're technically they're gifted. Yeah. And then when you see the highlights of them, you're going, if we can get him in the team, then we've got a chance. You know, and it proved so. The disappointment was obviously when, when he left the club. You know, uh, and we can look at that and say, well, when you think of the, the price that he came in and the price he left, you know, it just, it's just, uh, it was terrible. It was, uh, it was cr- criminal. A, a final question on that, because I've, I've always been a lover of uh, Yelovich as well, but it, it did seem in, you know, from the outside as well that the, the management team, Walter, etc., went big on one player as a kind of final piece of the puzzle. There wasn't this, okay, let's spend our... You know, relatively limited budget because we know what we're and get a couple of players into this. Let's go big on one technically gifted player who could lead the line. Jelovic is is the man. Was that a conscious thought? I think at that time, you know, when you, when you look back to, you know, having won the league the previous season, you know, and again, it's the same thing. It'll happen. It'll happen in the coming weeks with the present management team. At, you know, I don't think you ever rest on your laurels and say, well, you know, you enjoy the moment. We've, we've now, again, we're champions. And again, for a record 55 times, you know, so so let's let's look at, it must, it must be 56 we're building on now, you know, and, and how do we do that? Um, there'll be players in the squad that maybe feel that, well, I'm not playing regular, maybe I should move on. So that'll be the decisions of the management. And obviously, they've, They've been doing their homework and a lot of players with the recruitment last summer was really good. You know, the players that came in, so that's a positive. And then you look at, you know, obviously when back in the day when we were looking at, at things, there was discussions about players, there was there was financial constraints in, in terms of um, how much we've got to spend. And, and it was the same when uh, Baguera came in, you know, we needed a centre back, you know, and uh, the, obviously the, 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 the videos and the the, the scout reports come in about about uh, magic, so it was like, well, it's no brainer, you know. He'll come up and he'll he looks he looks a colossus, a guy, you know. And when when you see him picking that ball up and he's away in one of his mazes, <laughs> anything could happen here, you know. And but but he brought excitement to the to the team and and that side, and so did so did Yella, you know. I, I think when they came to the club, they they bought into what the club was about, and I think that's a massive thing. When you're recruiting people, you know, you've got people coming in and they're not the big I am. You know, you're part of a group that's got a common goal. And the common goal, as we know, at our place is winning that championship. So if, if you don't quite fit in, I think you're no longer to your fitting out, you know. <laughs> Tommy, you won't want me to ask you if um, Jelovic or Morelos is better, will you? 
<laughs> no. Um, so it's easy. It, 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 it's easy to forget we've got another big coming up um, on Thursday, the first of the the Slavia Prague double header. The Europa League now becomes the next big thing that we're looking at, regardless of whether we, we we're looking to win that or not. We are certainly at this point, Tommy, looking to to progress to the the quarterfinals in the Europa League. Goodness me. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And just to point out, I am always a man of my word and I'll always take a position on things. Technical ability, Jelovic. Ability to affect games, Morelos, is, oh. my, is my view of that there. Right, there you go. Yeah. That's, that, that's the position I'm taking. <laughs> that's all bets are now off, right? Um, the title's won, I can say what I want. <laughs> that's it. Um, but it, yeah, you're absolutely right. And how... how Pleasing is that, and it, it's not as if it's snuck under the radar, right? But alongside the the narrative of fifty five, right, and fifty five always comes before stopping any other team's run of right. It was all about us, and it should always be about us, right? Other teams are, you know, coincidental to our story, and always will be, right? The Rangers story comes first. Everybody else is a footnote in that story, right? And it shouldn't be walked past though that we're domestically on on track for like was that a 106 point season yeah I, if know. we win all the games yeah absolutely i because there has been some narrative about oh team across the city imploded now to a certain extent that you know they didn't maintain the level but even if they had they would have absolutely um you know struggled to live with this this rangers iteration you know they've got um you know was it six games to go They've already got more points at this point than Celtic did, I think, in four yeah. of their, their eight titles, excluding the, the Zoom fiasco last season. So it could have fitted title. in. The Zoom title. The Zoom, the Zoom title, yeah. Um, 0.75, as they call it. Exactly. You know something's up when you're, you you have to put a filter over your trophy <laughs> uh, to, to make it look like it's turning and stuff like that. So, you know, but, you know, formal victories, they go on to, like, 100 points. You know, and that would put them ahead of all the Celtic teams bar one in that nine in a row. All of them bar one. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's really important. And then if they win all their games, that would get to the 106 pointers, which is the same as Brendan Rodgers achieved in the Invincibles so-called season, right? Um, and I'm not being commodulated about that. They went through a whole season undefeated. That's yeah, yeah, the professional season, right? Fair enough. Fair's fair on that, right? But, and this was not a growing team across the city. This was an established team. And Steven Gerrard has built enough within three years to beat that established team and not with a dip in quality and we got lucky neck for neck, won it in the last day of the season. No. March, unbeaten, conceded nine goals. That's the type of performances. So since Steven Gerrard walked in the door, this wasn't your question, right? But you're getting this answer. (laughs) Since he walked in the door, out with of let's go, he has consistently been talking about consistency. Yep. You get to iteration three, and all of a sudden, some of those numbers that I've just rhymed off happen, and they don't happen by accident. They talk about the things that Jim's talking about, the management, the drilling in, the good recruitment, the right people, the senior players, the getting the message over, the setting the standards. This is the culmination of a detailed plan and the lessons learned all the way through it, because yeah. mistakes have been made. But when it needed to happen, Rangers made it happen. And I could not be happier saying that particular phrase. And then, on top of that, because I haven't forgotten your question, and I will get to it, right? Having done one of those Magic Bugera runs halfway up, I don't know where I'm going now. Um, Is that, alongside that, qualifying for the Europa League in and of itself was a step up. I said, you know, we went from arguing in bushes and stuff like that, to now being a team that can take on multi-million pound teams with much larger budgets than us and hold them to account, quite frankly, because I've beaten Benfica twice as well. And then be able to say, yeah, we've got to the last 16 twice and now looking at potential entry to a quarterfinal. You know, these are not small achievements to be doing at the same time as winning domestically and overturning what was supposed to be an insurmountable set of odds against us. Yeah. And it's that legitimacy piece, doing it at home, doing it abroad, doing it against on paper better teams, certainly richer teams from richer leagues, and doing it in this way. I mean, there's no um, 
inferiority complex. We haven't gotten lucky. That's the point I'm always hard and fast about when you see some of the narrative at the moment, which is other people must have done worse to allow the door to be opened. No, no, no. Rangers kicked the door down, stormed into the trophy room, smashed open the cabinet, and against the wailing protests of other fans, nicked the league trophy from them and walked out with beaming smiles and were also giving a tear-up performance in Europe as well. Now, Brooke, absolutely no arguments against that or no dilution of that narrative. Absolutely not. Rangers have really reset the bar for what it means to be a Scottish club in Europe. Nobody should walk past that. And quite frankly, everybody in Scotland who likes football and likes coefficients should be thankful. Jim, Tommy's absolutely right. I, I don't know what, what bit of it he said that, that was right, but there was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot in there. Um, you, I don't you know were, what's in there. <laughs> you were obviously around the last time we had a, a really impressive European run. Um, do you think the players will now be glad that they, they've kind of got the league in the box and they can park it to the side? They've got two big games with Celtic, of course, to come between now and the season. But for now, I would suggest that March, the, the focus has to be largely on, on breaking into those quarterfinals of the Europa League. I think the biggest thing is, is, again, it's the same message that the managers put across and the team have put across that it's every game that comes along, Scott. So the next important game is, is Thursday night, you know, and, and I think in, in the managers were speaking um, after the, the game on Saturday was talking about um, the desire and the hunger to go forward and win, win again. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is that when you win that trophy at a club that Rangers, you enjoy it, but but it's small small time enjoyment because you're you're focused on the next thing that comes along, you know. And great teams become become double winning teams, become treble winning teams, become uh, champions in, in Europe if that's possible. You know, when you think back in the day in '72 when the guys won the cup, winners cup, you know that, that takes you to a different level. So so from being a team, uh, and we're all delighted that we're, we're champions again. Can we be a team that goes and wins a double this year? Can we be a team that goes and wins a treble? You know, and then you're then saying to the people across the city, we welcome the challenge. Please bring it on. You know, so I think that that's the thing, and it's not taking a foot off the pedal and saying, well, job done. You know, the job is done, but the big job is still to be done. Uh, I think you know when you look at the performances in Europe. The three years that the, the manager's been there, they've been nothing short of fantastic. Um, if I go back to when we, 2008, when we went to Manchester, uh, I think you would agree that some of the football that we played was... was uh, Stuffy. Uh, Stuffy is, I think, your word you're looking for, Jim. I was territorial. And it was magic for some of the boys, you know, coming up with goals at vital times. Yeah. Really was. Remember that, you know, and, and when you look at the team, the present day team, they're actually going to places in FICA, you know, uh, and, 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 and teams of that ilk taking them on, you know, and, and actually playing a good brand of football and freely scoring goals, you know, that is, uh, uh, harbors a great deal of confidence when you're watching the games to say, well, you know, the game comes up on, on Thursday, can we go there and can we get? that vital away goal that helps in the return leg. It'll not be easy because <coughs> they're a good team. Yeah. You know, they're top of the league and they're, they're, they're doing well. They, they, they eliminated Leicester in the last round. So so I'm quite sure that the challenge will be there for the guys and, and hopefully, you know, the same level of performance, the same commitment and, and, and we can see a good positive result. Jim, before I, I let you disappear for the pod, um, let us know what you're up to just now. Um, at the moment, I'm, I'm kind of semi-retired, but that, that involves uh, coach education at the SFA. So I'm involved with, uh, with the, uh, the goalkeeping licences. So by doing that, that there's guys who, who submit, because of Zoom now, they'll submit presentations, uh, practical presentations for assessment. So we go through that and we help them through their, their, uh, their badges. Uh, from that, um, I've, I've been asked to go on a, a, a goalkeeping committee, if you want to call it that, at UEFA, and I've been doing that for the past eight or nine years. Superb. Um, oh. So that, that was, that was uh, 
good friend of mine, Paki Bona, from the other side yeah. of the city. <laughs> <laughs> keep us union, Jim. Keep us union. I knew it was a thing. I knew it was a thing. He's still not calling me yet to say congratulations. So <laughs> <laughs> I think you may have a weight on there, James. I think you may have a weight. <laughs> That's the best save he's ever made. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, so I'm do, doing that, Scott. You know, which was means good. that uh, you're, you're responsible for a group of countries. Um, and, and I look at their coach education pathway in terms of their goalkeeping and how I can how I can influence that um, from from my side of it. So so it does keep me busy along with my grandkids and that they're 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 a major source of enjoyment at the moment. Absolutely. Uh, when we get to see them, but fantastic. So enough to keep me going. I'll yeah. bet. I'll hopefully, bet. Hopefully, one eye on any um, young emerging keepers in those <laughs> countries. By the way, Jack. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so, Jim, listen, I'm I'm really grateful to you for 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 coming on and joining us on the pod this week. We've had um, we had Jimmy Nickel on last week, who was absolutely superb, and, and it's been great to have you again on um, this week. So, I appreciate your time. Thanks for taking time out to come on tonight. Thanks very much, guys. Much appreciated, and it was uh, it made it a good weekend. Indeed. Tommy, it's, it's, it's been an incredible week, and I, I think as we as we get to Monday, when we famously record, you you kind of. You think about everything that's went on as, as part of the the journey, um, the things that, that have popped into my mind over over the weekend, the you know the, the red and black scarves, um, the crazy girl dancing um, from Elgin. <laughs> I forgot that um, one, yeah. Elgin coming to Ibrox every other week for what felt like about three months. We were playing them repetitively. The the trip to Brecon on on the the day the journey all began. Um, and guys who, who indeed are, are no longer here to, to witness this, Fernando Rickson, Peralta, who, who is there, of course, as, as part of the journey, Bobby Brown, who, who Jim spoke to us about. Um, but, but one person who I, I think was um, a real leader when we needed him the most was, was Sandy Jardin, and he would have absolutely, um, he would have lapped up this weekend in a, in a huge, huge way. Uh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that we get a chance to reflect and mention you know those people and there's many more individual supporters and families who have lost lost loved ones along along the way um i think it's you know without trying to be too glib or sound biteish about it or anything like that because it's emotional for everybody and we spoke about you know the story inside the story over the 10 years to kind of bastardize a, a statement from uh, ali mccoist you know the actors have changed right people have changed the stories changed what never changed was this club doesn't do walking away. Yeah. And eventually you reap your rewards for all your support, loyalty, and hard work. And nobody can change the fact now in the history records. After nine came a new dawn. Rangers Football Club, 55 times champions of Scotland. So we should say all of our content is available absolutely free across at thisibrox.co.uk. Of course, last week we started the, the women's pod. We were very fortunate enough to be joined by Nicola Doherty. I was joined by Graham Falk and Courtney McKenzie. They, we all got together and, and we did a, a, a really good pod on, on the women's team. I urge you to jump on and, and have a look. A lot of good content in there. Nicola is a fantastic ambassador for, for the women's team. Um, I should say on there, we also have our, our pod with, with Jimmy Nickel last week and lots of other snippets that we've done in, in the past year. We continue to, to roll out content less absolutely free. So go on, check it out. Um, this has been a great pod. Thoroughly enjoyed everyone's time. Um, it's, it's my first pod after winning a trophy, which is special, really special to me in a personal value. And um, listen, we, we, we can't do this enough as far as I'm concerned. Um, we're the champions. We deserve it. And... Uh, all that remains to be seen is, is best of luck to Rangers on, on Thursday. Thomas, you and I will be back again next week. Jim, thanks again. Appreciate you joining us. Um, and we will um, we'll speak again very soon. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.